Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Praise God. Well, I want to talk about Jesus' laser focus. Um, last week, what I talked about with goals, setting goals, was, um, was, was God, God knows um, the, the, well, Jesus, God, God, Jesus, Jesus, God, he knows the, the, the abstractions that are going to happen beforehand. <laughs> um, he, he, for his own life, as he lived out his life, and he had a pretty solid goal. And in fact, he had three years to complete that goal, and it took 30 years in preparation for that, for that, for that ministry to happen. And that's a long time. Who knows 30 years is quite a long time. Some of, some of you have, have just, you know, come to know Jesus and you're, you're waiting for God to kind of make it all happen for you. Well, well, Jesus himself, before his ministry started, before actually his calling came to real fruition, took 30 years. So if that's the mark, if you're at, you know, two years and you're like, oh, it's been two years and Jesus waited 30 years. That's encouraging, isn't it? Okay, let's all go home encouraged. No, I'm just kidding. But the point is this, sometimes the great things take a lot of time. And uh, if it was easy, then everyone would be doing it, right? But the fact is, it's not. But Jesus knew the obstructions to his calling. Um, and uh, that obstruction came up twice. One of the obstructions came up twice when the first time when Jesus was out in the desert and he was fasting and Satan came and tempted him and, and said three things to him, one of which being, you know, uh, there was some stones there on the, the, uh, the ground. He was in a desert. There were some stones. He had been fasting 40 days. So on the 40th day that Satan turns up, I'm never going to fast 40 days if Satan turns up on the 40th day. I'm just kidding. But Satan turns up on the 40th day, okay, and, uh, and, and, and appears before Jesus and says, look, see, you're hungry, right, Jesus? And, uh, you know, obviously, pointing out the obvious, Jesus was hungry after 40 days. I'm hungry after like 40 hours. I'm hungry after 40 minutes. <laughs> Here's Jesus hungry after 40 minutes. He says, turn those, you can turn, you're, 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 you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. You can turn those stones into bread and have a little meal for yourself. And then Satan did a few other things where <coughs> basically the, the, the point that, that Satan was trying to prove to Christ or the obstruction that, that he was trying to put in front of Christ to stop Christ actually fulfilling his calling was, you are God, so you don't need to do all of this stuff. It's almost saying, uh, are you really who you are? Prove it to me. Uh, that's what Satan was trying to do. And later on when, when Peter was walking along with Christ and Peter had just come to the realization, God had shown him, Peter, that, that, he, that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Lord of all. He was the King of Kings. He was the Savior that had, everyone had been waiting for. And, and, and suddenly when, when he has this realization, just after that, Jesus starts to say, well, I'm going to go and die on a cross. I'm going to go and suffer. And, uh, and um, I'm going to go through lots of stuff. And Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, no, you're the Messiah. That's not going to happen to you. You're, you're, this doesn't happen to God. That, that, though you, if, you, if you're suffering, all you have to do is get down off the cross. The same obstruction that Satan had put in front of Jesus, you can turn that bread into stone because you're God. You don't have to suffer because you're God. 
But you've got to understand, had God not gone through that suffering in Jesus, we wouldn't be able to stand here saved and delivered from sin. And we wouldn't be able to enter in to the, to the mercy throne and stand before God spotless and clean and accepted in. If it wasn't for that plan of God. Jesus knew and, and he, he actually turns to Peter and he doesn't rebuke Peter, but he rebukes Satan. Jesus knew the temptation that it would be. And my point for last week was, God knows your obstructions. He knows what the enemy's going to throw up in front of you in order to get you off your cause, to get you off your calling, to get you off God actually created you for. And these things will always come down to one thing, human concern. They'll always come down to human concern. They'll always come down to human expectations. They, you know, you're the expectations, the, the things that people expect you to be or have or do by this age, or, you know, you shouldn't be this or you should be that. All of those expectations, that's where you will find the, the system that the enemy has put in place. That, that are, there's actually a system of good things, like stuff like marriage. Marriage is awesome, mostly. You know, uh, having a great job is incredible. Uh, having a great income and, being, and, and, and seeing God's blessing in, those, in that regard is awesome. These are all great things to aspire to, but it's a system that can be used against you because it's all human concern. And when that gets in front of the will of God for your life, it can actually be an obstruction. And God knows this for you. I just love, that, that was kind of a bit of a review on my last week's sermon, but I just love how Jesus, in these three years that he, was, he, was, he made his ministry and who he was public, he, he started this revolution that completely changed history. No one has ever done what he had done in those three years. I mean, when you think about the great men of history, even, even our modern day history, if you think of a guy like Steve Jobs, um, he's, he's a guy that I look to for inspiration. I love the stuff that he has done. I don't really uh, sit on any camp. I don't mind if you've got an Apple, a Geony, uh, Android, Android, or whatever it is. I don't care. Okay, you can have any of but I think Steve Jobs was one guy that was a particular revolutionary of our, of our time in, in that field. And I think when I, when I, when I, my son is right into Michael Jackson right now. I don't, I, I have... I, I, I know Michael Jackson songs off by heart. You know how? Because they are constantly running in my house. Like, I'm telling you, as soon as we get home today, Michael Jackson will be honored to be do-do-do. And Michael, uh, Michael, Elijah has got his, we bought him, we were encouraging it, I don't know why, but we, we, we bought him sunglasses and a glove and a hat and all of that sort of stuff, and he's learning all the moves. And Michael Jackson was a revolutionary. What he did changed the music scene forever. It changed it. Okay, Elvis was another one before him. Um, yeah, Quincy Jones produced. Anyway, don't, don't stop it. Okay. <laughs> Nelson Mandela, Bill Gates, Henry Ford, Gandhi. These people all did amazing things that changed history for a lot of people. But what Jesus did changed everything for everyone. <laughs> but when you look through the Gospels, of these three years, one thing that really stands out amongst other things is Jesus' focus. I mean, he was focused. 
he was focused. He, he was on task. He never, he never took his eyes off the goal. And uh, his goal, like our goals as we walk with Jesus, and this, this will be the wrestle for us, his goals were based on his calling. Okay? His goals were based on his calling. And his calling was based on the will of God for his life. And, and, and this is something that we, we, we might get wrong, okay? That I, I may, I, I've, I've even made this mistake, where I've tried to set goals that have nothing to do with my calling. Understand? Yep. You could be setting goals that have got nothing to do with your calling. That's it's your choice. But when you do, you risk getting off course from your calling because you're going after a goal that has got nothing to do with your calling. You're talking about Ferraris. I know lots of people who have got lovely Ferraris who are not living out their calling. They enjoy the Ferrari, but that's obviously what they're worth. That's obviously what their call is worth because they were bought for a Ferrari. Your calling is, 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 is worth everything. And your goals need to be aligned with your calling. And your calling... Your calling is based on what God has created you to be. And some of you are like in that tension right now. You're going, well, I, I, I really don't know what my calling is. Let me tell you something. Your calling is found in the secret place of God. Your calling is found in relationship with the Father. That The doors are open for you to begin to talk with Him. The reason we do, we do communion every week. Communion is that moment where Dina said that message and we took the bread and the wine. We do communion because it represents something huge, that Jesus was a relational God, that the revelation of God only comes from, from, from relationship with Him. And the doors are open for you and, and your calling is going to be found as you seek Him. So God's, Jesus' goals were aligned with his calling. His calling was based on the will of God, the Father. Now Jesus understands for us what our calling is. He knows. Why? Because he's God and he created us. He knows what your calling is. He also understands the obstacles. He also knows... The system, because he came and walked this earth with us for some time, he understands the system of things that the enemy has put out there that will keep us from our goals that are based on our callings and, and put us into a life of living a life where we are living a life where we're not really making a difference. And uh, who knows how easy it is to become distracted and unfocused from, from the things that you feel God is calling you to. Who knows? I know how easy it is. I'm, I'm like Mr. Distracted. I mean, I, I get really annoyed at myself um, about how distracted, and, and I'm not sharing with, with this with you to make you judge me, if you, you can, if you want. I'm sharing this with you so that you will also, maybe you don't have to tell me, but maybe just be a little vulnerable about this. How easily are we distracted from our calling? 
I mean, it can be anything. And you know what the thing is? is it's all good things. Yeah. It's all good things. It's all stuff that, that, it, that, that um, <clears throat> isn't really bad, that will really distract us, that the enemy will actually use. You know, stuff like... <laughs> I mean, let's pick off the, the low-lying fruit. Okay, low-lying fruit. Facebook, Instagram. Love all of these things. They're awesome. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Go for it. Use it. I don't care. I use it also. I like things. I post things. It's great. Okay? But these things can be a distraction. Uh, these things can be a distraction. And the thing is, is all must be surrendered before God. <laughs> this is the thing about our calling. As we begin to walk out our callings, as we begin to, as you get those gold sheets next week, as you begin to look at that goal sheet and go goal sheet and say, "What am I going to put on that?" On that, just we'll, we'll, we'll edit that out. I can't believe I. Anyway, I'm not going to make it. You didn't hear me what I said. I didn't mean to say it. As you look at that goal sheet and, and you go, "Hey, what should I put on this?" The first thing that you should be thinking about is, "What's my calling?" Okay. But you're not going to know your calling until, until all things in your world are surrendered to Jesus. All of these good things must be surrendered. He has to be first. This is the thing about walking with Him. He is God. We are His subjects. He is God. We are His subjects. Um, and this is a difficult lesson to learn, but it's the best lesson you can learn in Christ. As we begin to put everything, even the good things, relationships and, and, and family matters and economic matters and... Uh, job matters and all of these matters of life as we put God first intentionally you'll find that your calling will be a lot clearer now now Jesus talks about this um, in, on several occasions but I want to talk to you about one where he was really direct um, think about Jesus is he was like incredibly direct Okay, so I'm going to warn you about this scripture before I read it to you. Uh, it's really direct, <laughs> okay? But you've got to, because we're reading it here in this modern day, um, in this context, it kind of can seem like it's cutting through everything culturally and not respecting, you know, one's own culture. But that's not what Jesus was doing. Um, what you have to understand about Jesus is he was a Jew by culture, okay? And most of the people that were standing around when he was talking, when he was teaching, when he was, he was being followed, were Jewish people. And he was trying to shake those Jews out of their rut that they had gotten stuck in, in relationship with God, and he was actually changing them. So sometimes when it looks harsh, you've got you to go into the context and, and understand what is going on behind the scene. But I'll read it to you. But the point of this, before I read it to you, is all good things must be surrendered. Okay, let's read it. It's um, Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through to 62. As they were walking along the road... A man 
said to him, I will follow you wherever you will go. Okay. Now, uh, you have to understand, by this point, Jesus was famous. He was, I mean, he was famous. He was like, everybody had heard of Jesus. When he was walking into towns, I mean, you talk about entourage, you talk about throngs of people, you talk about uh, Salman Khan's front porch when he comes out. I can't believe how many people wait out there every day. I drive past there sometimes on the way to things and I just go, man, there's so those people out the front. Well, th- this, was, this was Jesus. This was Jesus. He was mobbed, okay? And, and out, of the, out of that mob, this, 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 this voice comes, I'll follow you wherever you go. And uh, Jesus replies, foxes have dens and uh, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, what you have to understand about this guy, um, Matthew, uh, I think just, I've written the reference here, Matthew chapter, 18, uh, chapter 8 verse 19 also records this, and um, this guy was actually a scribe, he was a, he was, um, he was a writer of the, the, the Jewish law, he, he was an expert in the Torah, the short on this guy was he was on top of the pile, he was rich, he was connected, uh, he was somebody, he was well-known, and uh, his culture was completely different to what Jesus had, was, was talking about. In fact, this guy was used to the life where you did everything right in front of God and did everything right for God in order for God to favor you so that you could actually have a good, healthy, and prosperous life. That was the culture that this man was in. Okay? And he was already sitting there. So him from his position in life, his, you know, platform in life, says to Jesus, basically, Jesus, you need me. This is what he's really saying. Um, look at who I am. I'm going to call this out in front of everyone. I can see that you have a following. I will follow you wherever you will go. And uh, Jesus, with his awesome marketing and PR skills, says, you missed a big house over there. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But me, I don't have a house to live in. I don't have a home to lay my head. Wow. Wow. What do you do with that awkward moment? That guy would have been standing there going. I know. And now, the, the interesting thing about this is there's no other recordings of what happens after this. I'm sure Jesus and this guy had a conversation after. Maybe not. Who knows? It's not recorded. But the point of this is, is this guy had an obstacle in his world. And you have to understand something about Jesus. Jesus was on a mission. He was on a goal. The goal was to save humanity from extinction. That's what the the mission of Christ was. To reunite humanity, man, woman, child, whatever culture, creed, religion, whatever it is. He was on a mission to reunite people back to God. 
and into relationship with him. That was his mission. He had three years to do it. Jesus was focused. Now this gentleman's desire to follow Jesus and be in the will of God well, there was this obstacle. This obstacle was one thing. It was comfort. It was comfort. It was comfort. Comfort. Comfort's a good thing. <coughs> Who likes being comfortable? I like being comfortable. I, 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 I have a couch at home that I've had for 12 years. Rachel and I have talked so many times about getting rid of that couch, but it always comes down to, but it's, it's just so comfortable. It doesn't look that great anymore. It's out of fashion. It's big. It's square. It's made in Australia, so it's made for big Australian houses, not, you know, Mumbai apartments. I've got this apartment. It's, we've downsized our apartment size. Our, our, our hall has gotten smaller, and there's this big black couch in our apartment, but gosh, it's comfortable. <laughs> I like comfort. Comfort's good, but you know comfort can be an obstacle. If comfort isn't surrendered, if God isn't first before your comfort, you'll shape your whole life. This is why it's important. You can end up shaping your whole life around trying to get from here and this position where the seats are a little bit hard in your home and you just wish that you could go to Natuzzi and get that Italian one, but it's outside of your pay bracket. Pay bracket, And, and your car, well, you, you'd like to have a car. You've got a Tata Nano, but you see the new, you know, Suzuki's Desires come out or the new BMW, whatever you want to, I don't know what, what your range is. And you're like, I just, if I, if, if I could just, I could get from here to here. I'm going to be more comfortable. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No, but it becomes an obstacle when that's more important to you than your calling. Do you understand? When your goals are shaped by the fact that you want to go from here to here just because that's because you want it, rather than, God, what is my calling? What is it that you bought? You brought me into this world for speak to me God help me to know what I'm about help me to know my purpose help me to know my journey right now and so that I can put goals down that are going to help me get towards that see this is the system that the enemy has put up all good things so that we can live a whole life oh I'm comfortable you know I'm comfortable comfortable I'm comfortable I've made it and then we get comfortable we're like Hold on a second, my black leather couch, the, the, it's getting old, I need a new one. Oh, how dissatisfying. And we go, oh, what am I living in? This is where things like midlife crisis and all of these things where people get to this point in their life where they're like, man, I have been living for all of this and I've gotten all of this and I'm still not happy. What the? Because they didn't know their calling. They didn't know their purpose. Next, uh, next week, we're starting the Journey Series, right? Gaurav had mentioned the Journey Series. What the Journey Series is, is a four-week series to help you find your purpose and calling, to help you find what it is that God has brought you in this world for. And it also, in that time and in that process, we, we help you to understand what we are about as a church. We talk about who we are, how this got started, what the dream was. We even talk about what we do with the money 
that, you know, we took up an offering. We talk about that. We'll let you know about how that whole process works because it's good to talk about these things. And, you know, uh, we try to, as much as we can, be, um, to, to be, uh, what's the word? Transparent. Thank you for that. Uh, transparent. As, you know, we, we, we'll be as transparent as we can be with everybody to, to let them know where the money goes and what happens on. And, and that is all a part of the Journey Series. So that starts next week after church on Sunday, 1.30. I, I hope you could be there. See Dina if, if you want to register for that. Her and her amazing husband are the official runners of the Journey Series. They make it all happen and they do an amazing job at doing that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but uh, uh, let's come back to this. Comfort. Jesus replies to this fellow, foxes have dance. Birds have nests. But the Son of Man, well, he's not comfortable because of his calling. <laughs> he's not comfortable because of his calling. That's what Jesus was saying. Your calling may mean that for a time you won't be comfortable. He said to another man, and this is even more interesting because he says to this man in verse 59, follow me. In other words, he was calling this guy. Like, just like how he had called his disciples. I don't know if you know this, but when Jesus started out his ministry, he went and called his disciples. Some of the first of them were fishermen. They were fishermen. And he went to the side of the lake and he said, come follow me. They dropped their nets and they followed him. Okay, but this gentleman, well, he says, well, he replies, Lord, first, um, just, just let me go and uh, bury my father. This is such an interesting reply. <laughs> this is such an interesting reply because I, I, I've read this again and again and again. I'm trying to understand what this is about because firstly, uh, if his father was already dead, why is he out with Jesus? Okay. Why is he walking about with Jesus if his father's dead? Why isn't he already going and burying his father? Or if his father's not dead yet, does it mean that he's wanting to wait for his father to die so that he can then get on with his calling? <laughs> um, and in that culture, if he was the oldest son or any of the children, basically to get their inheritance, they had to be present when the father died, you understand? So if they weren't present, it meant that they were, their bank accounts were going to suffer. First, uh, first, f f uh, first uh, God, I want to follow you, Jesus, but I've just got some stuff to do back there with my, uh, with my family, with my family. My family, uh, my family, I've got some family commitments back, uh, for my family commitments. I, I want to follow you, but I've got the family commitments, you know, family, my family commitments, uh, uh, um, more important than you. Uh, they're more important than, than my calling, right? <laughs> Jesus said to him, and this is, wow, this is like, okay. Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. What is that about? Seems a bit rude. But Jesus is making a point. Basically, he's saying, let the spiritually dead go and bury 
the naturally dead, the people who are already dead. But you need to go and proclaim. You're, he was basically telling what his calling was. Your calling is actually, your calling is actually to help those who are going to die to meet the kingdom of, or to meet Jesus Christ. Basically, this, in a, in, a, in, a, in a real nutshell, this young man or this old man or whoever he was was more concerned. <laughs> he was concerned with the wrong funeral. The funeral um, he should have been concerned about <laughs> was his own. Where uh, <laughs> this is this, and in this culture, I know I'm I'm standing I'm standing on some toes right now. I'm like treading on them lightly, but I'm just like gently talking talking to you, gently treading on some toes. But I have noticed. In my ministry, five years here now, I've seen more people give up their calling and give up their destinies based on family matters and miss out. I have. It's, it's, it saddens me every time. I've come across so many young people who I can just, I'm like, I can see it on them. I can see where God is taking them. But they're like, I'm a, Family, family, family. I got, a, I got this family thing going on, you know, my family, my family. I'm like, man. If only you knew what this requires. When I, when I, the point I made about he was concerned with the wrong death. What this requires is a death to self. This is a hard one, okay? This is a really tough one. As we walk through life, as we walk through... Our, 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 our life here on earth and all of the expectations that are put on us. A true marker, I think, in this culture of one who has completely died to themselves is one who can actually walk through life and say, you know what, I know that these are some expectations on me, but I feel God has called me to this. And the truth is this, there will come a point. There will come a point for each one of us. If it hasn't already, it will. And it's not, I'm not telling you this to make you feel guilty, nor was Jesus trying to make this guy feel guilty. He was trying to, trying to illuminate something to him that would be an obstacle to the thing that he was born for. Do you understand? He was called to proclaim. Family is a good thing. And, and this is not to say about Jesus that he disregarded family. I'll, I'll prove it to you because, you know, Jesus actually, when he was on the cross, he was still on the cross. And uh, I'm pretty sure it was John. He looks at John and he says, John, there's your mother. You know what John did? Now, a lot of people have misconstrued that for something else. What he was basically saying to John was go and look after my mum, John, because I'm about to die. You know what John did? He took her back to her village and looked after her until she died. Jesus doesn't disregard family. But his calling wasn't based on his family. His calling was based on the will of God. And it's a tough one. I didn't really want to bring this to you today, but I, I would be doing you a disservice. 
about preaching you this you know, positive pep you up talk about how to get your goals. I can do that, all that motivational stuff. It's really, it comes quite naturally to me. <laughs> but I want to do this. I want this church, I want you, I want us to be living out what we've been born for. And Jesus knew the obstacles. First, the obstacle of comfort. Second, there's the obstacle of family. And uh, let's look at verse 62. You okay? Is everyone okay? Some people did walk out, but I I think that was okay. They were were actually leaving. I know them. I don't think they have problems with it. So thank God. I was was wondering. Oh, they're walking out. I'm going to stop now. I'm just going to go and jump down that black hole that I've got in the back of the room and, and disappear. You don't understand how hard it is to be a pastor sometimes. Just feel sorry for me. Feel sorry for me. Thanks, Rochelle. Thanks. It's good to have you back, Rochelle. Rochelle is our official cheerleader. She gets everyone excited in the place. And, and Keith is our man of wisdom. I'm serious. He is. Let's, let's move on. The obstacle of comfort, the obstacle of family. The third one is the obstacle of dual focus. It's in verse 61. Still, another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to, goodbye to my family. And, and the point Jesus is making here is explained in his second statement. Sometimes with the Bible, you've got to do this. If you don't understand... The, this the one verse, you've got to read the ones before and after it, and read the chapter before and after it to get the context. Because, <laughs> I, mean, if, if, I mean, this is a bit of a problem with the internet and, and preaching, actually, is people tend to pick out like one scripture and there's a scripture of the day, and that's all good. But you've got to understand the Bible, the whole Bible, and the whole context. You've got to read the whole thing, okay? And it's got to be a discipline so that you can actually know what God is trying to say to you Um, and uh, uh, otherwise you might understand something because if you just read still another one said I will follow you Lord but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family you'd be like oh if I'm going to follow God that means I can't follow my go and say goodbye to my family like what the heck that's not what that is about now once again just to justify and, and make sure you understand this there's a story in the Old Testament about a guy called Elisha who was called by a prophet called Elijah why their names were so similar, I have never been able to understand. <laughs> Elijah and Elisha, it's been hounding preachers since the beginning. Because you're like, oh, it's like when you're at a wedding and you, you're so scared of forgetting people's names. When you're the guy marrying them, it's like Elijah and Elisha, Elijah and Elisha. But Elisha says to Elijah, listen, Elijah, I want to go back to my family and say goodbye before I come and follow you. And Elijah, the man of God, says, yeah, cool, no worries, I'll be waiting here for you. Well, he doesn't say that, but that's my version of it. But he goes and says goodbye to his family. See, this is not the point. The point that Jesus was trying to make was in verse 62. Jesus replies, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, let me just explain a plow you know what a plow is, right? It's what farmers use. And a plow back in those days was pulled by an oxen, okay? A big, fat, old, smelly, sweaty beast. It was pulled by that thing. Now, the, po- the point is, is you have to lean forward like this on this thing 
So it goes into the ground. And you have to keep focused. And you have to balance on that thing. Okay? Now who knows that our head is kind of heavy? Yeah. Oh, the recording. I haven't got the microphone up here. Our head is kind of... So, so if you're plowing, you've got your big fat oxen. You're looking at the behind of. <laughs> and you're plowing. And you look like this. Okay? This is, what, this is the point Jesus is, because he's making a, an agricultural kind of analogy here that everybody would have understood that, yeah, no, no, it's true. You can't look back when you're plowing with an oxen, because if you do, you're going to fall off or it's going to go all wobbly. You're going to have the weirdest looking farm you've ever seen full of squarely wiggly lions, okay? So, so this is, see, 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 Jesus knew about this fellow. He wasn't really going back to his family because he's going to say goodbye to his family but he was keeping his options open. He had a dual focus. And what Jesus says is, you, you know one who has a dual focus, who's trying to look forward and look back at the same time, is fit for the kingdom of God. It just is not going to work for you. <laughs> this is not going to work for you. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not something to feel guilty about. It's not something to be like, oh, well, no, what, what, I'm not fit for the kingdom of God. I don't understand. No, that's not what Jesus is trying to say. He's trying to tell this guy, guys, like, mate, like, you, you need to focus. There's one thing here. And if you're trying to keep your foot in both camps and, and make sure that this person is happy and that person is happy because you never know if this person is actually going to ask you to marry them. I mean, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> Well, you're just trying to keep that person happy because, you know, that person over there, well, they might die and you've got to be around to, to you know, get on the wheel, you know. I don't know. I'm just making things up. <laughs> well, you know what God's Word says about, about, about talking behind someone's back and gossip, but you know the power it holds because it could mean your next promotion and you're just going to keep your foot in that camp. You're just going to maybe play that power game, even though God's told you not to. I don't know, but let me tell you something, dual focus will get you off your call. Doesn't matter what goals you set, doesn't matter how amazing, you could take a photo, Instagram it, put it up, make it everyone know, get a thousand likes and say, wow, look at, your, look at your goal chart, isn't it amazing? It doesn't matter if you've got dual focus, let me tell you. One thing, and, and this was the life of Jesus, he had one thing on his mind cross that was it it's almost like that cross was a target and when you read when you read the gospels you just see him walking towards that cross he does not falter from it his eyes are fixed on it and because of that he got to live out the purpose for which he was born for as the messiah and he says come and follow me when we know our calling which is based on relationship with God. And we begin to shape our goals and we begin to understand that there are obstructions that are good things. That are good things. This last guy wasn't a bad thing that he wanted to go back and say goodbye to his family. It wasn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. But Jesus knew the power for this particular guy that it had on him. That it had the power. And I know some cultures... 
some people I know, they have to just say goodbye completely to certain things in their world because they know that if they go and say hello to those people, that they can't control themselves and the things that are put in front of them, they can't hold themselves back from the stuff that, 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 that the temptations that it opens up for them. I have, I have, I've counseled so many people that, that I'm walking through. Like, listen, you need to, you need to just cut that off from your world because it's destructive for you. And there will come a choice for some of us sometimes where, where there'll be things we have to just, just like cut it off. Just like cut it off. Why? Well, it's going to take you out of the thing that you were born for. It has the power to distract you from your focus. Your focus is everything. Okay. Whew. How are you going, guys? You all right? The obstacle of comfort, the obstacle of family, the obstacle of dual focus. What do I have to do about this, Ryan? What do I have to do? What do I do with this information? Do one thing. Put God first over everything. He comes first. When those, if it's my mum, tell her I said hello. <laughs> with, with those, when these things happen, and they will, when these obstacles come up, you need to be in prayer, you need to be with him, you need to be walking with him in a place where you're like, God, this is, this is tough. This is not easy. This is real. This is a real struggle. I'm getting really distracted. I'm getting really perturbed by the fact that this is happening to me or this family member is doing that or I, I'm, I'm so worried about my future, God. If you can do one thing and say the most dangerous but the most life-changing prayer, which is, God, I give you everything. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3 Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.